The Pacers are rolling. Five out of six, taking down the Clippers at home in an awesome, super fun game. You know, 20 and 17 to close out the year. We'll talk about the game. Tyrese Halberton's new clutch way of attacking. And at the end, a Raptors preview to open up 2023. All on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI. And today, so much fun stuff to get to because the Pacers are playing awesome, awesome basketball right now. They just took down the Clippers for their fifth win in six games, talking all about the game as the Pacers have now won five of six against Boston, Miami, Atlanta, Cleveland, and the Los Angeles Clippers. What a run of form this team is on. Their only loss coming against probably the worst team they played in that stretch, but still crazy to see the Pacers playing this good. We'll talk about Tyrese Halliburton's clutch play of late because holy cow, another game where he takes over down the stretch. We'll talk about that. And then Raptors preview Pacers Raptors tonight in Gamebridge. First game of the year. Looking forward to diving into the Raptors who I still think are better than their record suggests, but we start with Pacers Clippers. Super fun. And I think, look, this wasn't the story of the game at all, but from a perspective of the Pacers franchise, Paul George on the other side, still getting booed by fans for his way out. Paul George traded for Sabonis and Oladipo. Sabonis traded for Halberton. There's more involved in all that. You get it. But to see those two guys trading blows down the stretch was so fitting to me uh, for where the, the two franchises are, franchises are really, but for the Pacers specifically to see their star of old and potentially and likely their star of new dueling back and forth was fantastic. And the game itself was fantastic. Pacers end up winning by one. They were up four when Paul George hit a buzzer beating three. So it wasn't a one point game, but it was an awesome, awesome basketball game. And the Pacers really played awesome, but it, it, it kind of is reflective of why they're playing so well recently. And that's that all of their best players and really all of their players, Sands, maybe Chris Duarte are playing well right now. And they're playing well together. Their units that the Pacers have been playing have been doing well. They're doing well exercising some of their demons on the glass and with slow starts and combined with good play and better clutch play from Tyrese Halliburton. They look really threatening, right? Early in this game, Buddy Heald, he was the guy, as he has been for all of December. He hit three threes in the first quarter to get them off to a great start. He finishes 5 of 12 from the field for 18 points. So they start the game off well because Buddy Heald was great. Then the bench takes over in the second unit or in the second quarter and the late first quarter, and they do a great job, right? Benedict Matherin, 10 free throw attempts in this game. He finishes with 15 points. He was huge for them in the fourth quarter as well, but his stretch in the first half was really important for the Pacers to keep their momentum going from a 10-point first quarter lead. He had 11 in the first half. Jalen Smith had seven points in the first half, right? The second unit in the first a half of their last three wins really has been as good as they've been all season, which the Pacers have needed that uh, given that that group hasn't been particularly strong at times this season. That was important. TJ McConnell in this game, nine points on four for seven, three assists, right? You get the picture I'm painting that those guys, the you know, healed and the bench guys, they're obviously important, but them playing their role at a high level makes the Pacers so much better because then the guys who are, Night to night, so threatening, game plan changing talents, in, and healed is that as well. But you know, your Turners, your Halliburtons, 
uh, are really impacting the game in a big way. And so the fact that the Pacers were up seven at halftime of this game was fascinating because it'll be, it's hilarious when we look back on this at halftime, miles Turner had 11 points. Tyrese Halliburton had four points and five assists, right? And those guys end up with fantastic games, which we'll talk about. But that kind of speaks to what the Pacers are doing so well right now. Their first half was dominated by guys who didn't have to do as much in the second half as the Pacers adjusted, which is something they've been so good at this year, these in-game adjustments. And their second half was controlled by other guys. Aaron Neesmith only has five first-half points. That's important as well. So Pacers really do a good job in their first half getting guys to step up when they need it, doing a good job. Slowing down some of the Clippers guys as well. For example, Avicii Zubac finishes the game with three offensive rebounds. He had two early, and then the Pacers figured out how to slow him down. And look, I, I get that if you're a box score watcher, you'll see that Turner had three rebounds in this game. But everyone on the team gave Turner credit for what he did with Zubac in this game. He hit him hard. He was physical with him. And even though Turner himself wasn't grabbing the rebounds, he was preventing Zubac from doing so. Other Pacers scooped them up. That was really important. And after two early possessions where Zubac was more physical, turned it a great job stepping up in that way. But the second half is where this game became really fun, really fascinating in a great way to close out the year for the Pacers because third quarter, the Clippers looked much better. They scored 38 points. Kawhi was rolling. Paul George was starting to heat up a little bit. And it looked like they had a chance to really get back into this. No one on the Pacers could find a groove until... The Clippers tried to get greedy, and they went small, right? Kawhi played the whole quarter. Marcus Morris almost plays the whole quarter. Paul George, Reggie Jackson almost played the whole quarter. They don't. Pl they hardly play Zubac down the stretch, right? The last three and a half minutes of this quarter, they went small, and Miles Turner crushed them for it, and that is huge for the Pacers, that they could get away with Turner against a small ball unit because it can be not that Turner's not, you know, Turner is definitely a limited perimeter defender, and I thought that the Clippers, who are really good at going small, could expose the Pacers in that way by getting Turner away from the rim defensively and being able to score in bunches. And they scored pretty well for a little bit, but then the Pacers started to slow it down, and Turner himself crushed the smalls on the inside. That was huge, huge in the third quarter. Four of six from the field, got to the foul line four times, 13 points in the third quarter for Miles Turner, more than his first half total. That was massive for the Pacers against a strategy that works so well for the Clippers all season. Right? They put Nick Batum at center sometimes. That goes very well for them. He specifically was out in this game, but that's been huge for them this season. Instead, they go with Covington at center in the first half. They bring in Terrence Mann in his spot in the second half and roll with Marcus Morris at center for a stretch. Right, That's the type of thing that has crushed the Pacers historically this year, right? Turner has to stretch out away from the rim or Jalen Smith or whoever it is, and they can't keep up with the speed and spacing of the other unit. They did a great job of it in this third quarter after surviving a Clipper avalanche and Miles Turner punished on the other end to keep this game tied. I think that had that stretch gone worse for the Pacers, not only would they one have been trailing going into the fourth, they'd have lost all the momentum in this game. Instead, they go into the fourth tide. And while they didn't play awesome to start the fourth, they did just enough again. To, this, this was kind of reminiscent of the Lloyd Pierce coached game that they just had against the Cavs, where they do just enough with their second unit early in the frame to survive until their guys, not, not that the bench wasn't good, but they've struggled in fourth quarters, to survive until the starters can come back in. And you know Turner comes in at the 846 smart. Halliburton comes in with like 10 minutes to go. And by the way, you talk about the bench in the first half because they played so well. Halbert only had like 14 halftime minutes, so they can be more comfortable subbing him in earlier in the fourth quarter. All these good bench moments that I've talked about a lot on the show this week have huge ripple effects on the way that Carlisle is able to run his rotation. So Halbert's in earlier in the fourth, Turner's in a little earlier in the fourth, and all of a sudden the Pacers start to catch up to 
this Clipper lead. I think the biggest the Clippers lead got was five, I think, or or, or six. I can't remember. Uh, with about five minutes to go in the game. Yes, 116, 110. And from that point on, it was all the Tyrese Halliburton show. He was so special down the stretch, as was Miles Turner in this fourth quarter, getting to the foul line. Uh, in the last five minutes and 27 seconds, uh, Tyrese Halliburton had 13 points. Like he, he was so good. He had a crafty layup to put this game away. He was absolutely fantastic to kind of slow down and neutralize what was some Clippers run and momentum at that point. He was finding his teammates. The Clippers literally couldn't stop. And to that point in the game, uh, before the fourth quarter, Halberton had six total points, right? He finished with 24. He had 18 in the fourth, brilliant fourth. And then Miles Turner has 10. He gets to the foul line a bunch. Those two guys who uh, I wouldn't say Turner was slowed in the first half. He had double digit points, but those two guys were so, so good in the second half. And they took over this game really on, on both ends in Turner's case. And in Halberton's case, offensively, like the, the, the Clippers did a really good job this whole game of not slowing him down, but just making it harder for him to be aggressive and get to his spots until the end of the game. He Tyrese Halberton said on the podium that Chris Duarte said, man, you got it. You got to take over. You got to do this. And so he said, OK, and he did it. He said it was time, and he did it, and it was so impressive to see him control this game, right? He Tyrese Halburn said in that fourth, I knew what time it was. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was crazy, and then he also added, "It's a feel thing. It's just feeling what a team needs in that moment today. We needed some energy. We needed a boost for me, and he gave it to him. He was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant down the stretch, and the Pacers hold off forty-five from Paul George, who hit seven threes. He had fifteen shots. He was fantastic. Kawhi Leonard had twenty-four. He's playing in Indy for the first time. Since February of 2017, the Clippers stars had 69 points and 11 assists combined, and the Pacers still hang on to win, and they didn't even shoot that well, right? A lot of these wins, not a lot, some of these wins for the Pacers that they score in the 130s, they end up shooting ridiculously well from three like they did against Cleveland. In this game, they had a formula that worked. They could get inside and score. They were passing really well. They took care of the ball to a high level. They played a good game plan in this game. And their best player stepped up when it mattered most. And the two guys whose names I barely said <laughs> who started, Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nembard, defended Kawhi Leonard and Paul George all night and both shot 60% or better from the field. Really impressive game from basically every pacer who played, except Chris Duarte, who went over 5. I'll probably do a segment on him later this week, trying to fit in right now. But either way, everyone else who played did a fantastic job. Pacers get a huge, huge win over the Clippers who beat them earlier this season without both of their stars. So that, that was the, really improbable. Again, the Pacers always bounce back. They always respond. This is the team that they have become. And now they are 20 and 17 entering the new year. Ty, as I speak, uh, I don't know when the Sixers next play. Uh, as I speak, though, tied for fifth in the Easton wins at New Year's. Crazy. TJ McConnell dunked on me, <laughs> funnily enough, after the game. I asked him because he was one of the guys on the team last year at New Year's. They had 14 wins at the end of 2020. One and 20 at the end of 2022. I said, what do you see is the biggest difference between the teams at the end of the year? So he said about six wins. <laughs> ah, okay. You got me there. That's accurate. But Pacers are playing well. They're rolling. They're probably going to exceed their last season wins in the month of January. And I'm looking forward to seeing when that happens. They're approaching the halfway point. They're approaching key roster deadlines. We'll cover that all here on Lockdown Pacers. But what we're about to cover has nothing to do with any of that. We're about to cover Tyrese Halburn's brilliant clutch play in the last, I don't even know, two weeks or so since they lost to the Knicks. There's a lot to get to with this. There's layers to this. He's been fantastic. want to talk about all of it. Before we do that, though, let me talk to you guys about prize picks. 
For example, do you think Luka Doncic right now will score more than 26.5 points in a game? I would say so. LeBron have more than 7.5 rebounds. KD more than or less than 6.5 assists. That's the entire premise of prize picks. You pick a player, and you pick will they go over or under a certain prize pick stat projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. What I like about it, it's you versus the projections, not other people. You can't get out-researched by people. It's all your decisions, and they offer projections on any sport you watch, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, college, PGA. They've got something for everybody. You can make your picks in a minute or less. It's super easy. It's safe. They have fast withdrawals. Over 30 states in Canada you can play. Download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports first-time users. Can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. With the promo code locked on, you deposit 100, you get 100, deposit 50, you get 50. You get the idea, but don't forget, you got to use the promo code locked on to do so for that instant deposit match. Prize picks daily fantasy made easy. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Clips with my man Dime Dropper. Kills it covering that Clippers team in an interesting season they've had, but beating that team healthy is tough to do really good win from the Pacers I had somebody ask me on Twitter do you think that's their best win of the season no I still think in Boston is but that is up there that is in the top two or three wins for the Pacers this season's Pelicans Clippers Celtics uh, look the Pacers have now beaten over half of the teams that have won 60 percent of their games this season they're just playing good basketball right now they have established themselves as a quality team with another good win like this and a big part of it has been Tyrese Halliburton becoming a clutch maestro, right? And this started, I, I, I guess it didn't start at a specific time. He has, as, as the season has progressed, I would say, from day one till now, he has slowly but surely figured out the, the balance of aggression and passing. And I, I think he really showed it like for full games on in, in day one, right? Their very first game of the season when he did very well against the Wizards. But in the clutch that balance was not always what the Pacers needed, right? They needed him to be more aggressive in the clutch at times. And he took a shot over Julius Randle against the Knicks that would have won the Pacers the game. He missed it. But that game, and I guess a couple games before that, you know, when they lost the Cavs, and I forget the other home game they lost barely in the clutch, you could kind of see him start to realize, oh, I can, I can kind of be myself, get to my spots, be the dude without disrupting what we are on offense. We can still run our, I won't call it random, but that word's been used. Like we can still run our free flowing kind of style. I can call the plays. I can dictate the pace. We run fast. I can be the, the fantastic floor general I've been all season, but still be aggressive and hunt my spots in a way that is productive for us to close games. And that balance is hard to find, right? I asked him about it or tried, you know, tried to see what his thoughts were on it after the Clippers game. And he said, look, it, it, no one knows like how to, how you, strike that balance on a game-to-game -game basis. He said he's talked to Jenny Buschek, the Pacers assistant coach, about it because Jenny Buschek coached Sue Bird in Seattle. Sue Bird, the, one of the best, if not the best, point guards in WNBA history, also a clutch master, right? And you know, he, he studied some of what Sue's done in the clutch. How do you balance being this aggressive scorer but still fit, being a point guard, fitting in with what your system is doing, running the show, things like that? And he is really doing better, uh, really a fantastic job at one, Knocking down shots and being a clutch player. Brilliant these last couple of weeks. Obviously, that part's obvious. We can see the shots go in. But looking at the results isn't a fair picture to Tyrese because the process has been awesome. The fact that he knows so well what this team has needed in the clutch for these last couple of games and giving it to them from a scoring, assisting, setup perspective has been just brilliant, brilliant stuff. And 
this Clippers game was, of course, the latest example. Like, it does not take a brainiac to look at the box score and go, wow, he had 18 points, you know, in the fourth quarter. But he didn't just have 18 points. He had two rebounds and assists to steal a block. And the assists would have been higher had Miles Turner not been fouled <laughs> quite often, you know, in that fourth quarter getting to the foul line. He was finding Turner with some of those passes. I think both, actually, of, of the times that Turner went to the line in the fourth, he was set up by Halbert, and Halbert himself gets to the line seven times like he was doing a really good job of recognizing where the pressure points were in the Clippers defense and tearing it up. And that is what he has done and what the Pacers have done for a while, right? Clutch win against the Cavs this week. And that's a team that they just struggled with in the clutch earlier this month, right? In Cleveland, they were up five, I think, with about five minutes to go. Neesmith dunks from the wing. Looks like they've got this momentum. Cavs storm down the stretch and went. Donovan Mitchell takes over, right? The Knicks game was similar. They're up. They were up five with like two minutes to go in that game. And they and they give it away. They didn't know how to win those games until in Boston. Not They didn't know how. They were just struggling to do it. In Boston, they figured it out, right? Halbert did a great job controlling the pace of that game and scoring in the fourth quarter. You all remember the Miami game. I did a bonus podcast. It was so good. 43 points. The game-winning shot took over down the stretch. Like Those were the moments where I think he, he kind of oh, – oh, Happy learned how to putt is is not nice enough because he's been doing better already. But like the moments, right? I called it that maybe the seminal moment for Tyrese in the clutch because now he'll have the confidence and you know the, the he's been he he's given the green light now to be the dude, right? When he hit the game winner against the Heat and was awesome against the Hawks, even though they didn't really need clutch time in that game and the Cavs again, like he's just been so good in these moments. And like looking at the stats it is so jarring, right? The last six games the Pacers have played, only four of them have had clutch time. But this is every game since the Knicks game. So no Pelicans game here because there was no clutch time in that game. No Hawks game here. But in the four games that had clutch time. So what clutch time is, for those unaware, the NBA defines it as you're in the last five minutes of a game or you're in overtime and the score is within five points, right? So a two-possession game with less than five minutes to go. Pacers have played four of those games in the stretch since they lost to the Knicks. Since Tyrese Halbert missed a potential game winner over Julius Randle, he was beating himself up over. Halliburton in the Pacers with Halliburton on the court in those four games. 142.3 offensive rating in the clutch, not in the whole game. Crazy. 78.3 defensive rating. That's probably a little unsustainable, but that's nuts. 64 <laughs> net, net rating, right? They've been bananas. Absolutely bananas with him on the court in these four games. We're talking about a, a very small sample size. Let me be very clear about that. But that's insane. And the, and the part that stands out is Tyrese Halliburton stats himself. 83.3% effective field goal percentage. 88% true shooting. 39 usage. Right? He is taking over in these games. And his early season stats, again, I don't want to say that they're bad. Like 54 true shooting, 45 effective field goal percentage. In the clutch, 54 true shooting, it's pretty good. But the Pacers were not as good, right? And so his usage is the biggest change. Twenty uh, prior to and through that Knicks game where they lost, Tyrese Halliburton's clutch, clutch, excuse me, usage was twenty three percent, and now it's thirty nine percent. I, you know, I don't know what the perfect number is, but it definitely is higher than twenty two percent. And I think the Pacers have figured that out that he needs to be the guy hunting for his shots until they start to double team him or trap him, and he can get it to other guys. His numbers have been brilliant, brilliant, brilliant in the clutch. He's been playing fantastic, and he's figuring out how to be the guy the Pacers need him to be in those moments. And it is a massive change for this Pacers team to have a dude like that, right? 
Like a young team is always searching for ways to win tight games. It's hard to win close games. Ask ask the 2021-22 Pacers about how hard it is to win close games. That team was one of the worst clutch teams ever. That's not a stretch. I wrote a whole story about it because they were so bad at it. Like it, it was unbelievable how bad that team was at closing games. It's hard to be creative with that roster. The Pacers' current roster and believe they have in each other and believe the coaching staff has in Tyrese. They don't have to be creative. They have a guy who can do it for them. He can get the shots. He can make the actions run. He can find his teammates when he needs to, but he can find his own spots when he needs to. And because he's such a threat from deep, because he can get in there and draw, get seven free throw attempts against the Clippers, for example, because he's such a threat and requires so much defensive attention, he's transformed the Pacers' clutch play. And in turn, that has transformed their season. They were under 500 after the Knicks game. They've been awesome, awesome, awesome ever since. And we'll see how long it can keep rolling because, look, I, I hate to be a Debbie Downer after that segment, but 88% true shooting in the clutch is uh, pretty unsustainable. <laughs> I hate, to, I hate to, to say it, but he has been unbelievably good and deserving of every single bit of praise that you can give him. And like I said, you have to look at the process and the results. And obviously the results have been amazing, but the process has been much better. So even when those percentages drop, the Pacers will be a better team in the clutch than they were earlier because they figured out what they need to do to win in those instances. He's been awesome. The Pacers have been awesome. And they'll look to continue that when they play Toronto tonight, first game of the new calendar year against the Raptors. Something funky always happens at Pacers Raptors. It feels like we'll see what happens. In the new year, let's talk Pacers, Raptors, what to watch for because the Raptors looking a little different this time than they did the first time the Pacers played them. Before we do that, though, let me talk to you guys about one of my favorites here, Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars out there. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, that's what Built Bar is. That's what it's there for you. We're through the holidays, and if you're like me, your goal might be to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise that taste, then, man, that is where Built Bar can come in. Uh, Zach Pearson was on the show last week was talking to me about them. Like not only are they healthy, they're tasty. They're hundred percent covered in chocolate. So they're super delicious and you won't even know they're good for you when you're eating them, but they are what makes them so good. Like I said, real chocolate covering the whole thing. They have a ton of awesome flavors, a churro one peanut butter brownie. That's my favorite coconut almond. That's my girlfriend's favorite. I'm not sure how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, right? Uh, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. Great for you get your day going and they're delicious and you don't need to wait around to get a box right we're talking about them for forever you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club now right you don't have to order them from built.com anymore but you still should head over to your nearest walmart today and pick them up or go to built.com and get them with the, the flavors that you've always loved uh go check them out today you can thank me later that's built.com walmart or sam's club thank you as always for making lockdown pastries your first listen today and every single day check out lockdown raptors of course for your second listen, Sean Woodley, one of my faves to listen to here in the Locked On Podcast Network, partially because of the Canadian accent, partially because he kills it covering the Raptors, who have had quite a turbulent season. Raptors, a lot of people projected them to be pretty good this year. Internal growth from Scotty Barnes, really good team. Nick Nurse is a good coach. They added Otto Porter, who might be a shooter, but he quietly uh, hasn't played <laughs> this season, and it's not even quietly. He literally has only played eight games this entire season. And that's really hurt the Raptors because they need shooting desperately this year. He was their big offseason signing to shoot, and they don't have him. So let's talk about the Raptors. Let's talk about the Pacers, their first game of the year. Should be a fun one. And look, the Raptors have been struggling. I don't want to sugarcoat it. 16 and 20, not good, even though I think they're better than their record 
Like they have three wins. So they they beat the Lakers on December seventh. They have three wins since, right? They have three wins in the last twenty or so days, basically, and a lot of them are close losses, right? One point loss to the Kings. They have a three point loss to the really good Nets team. They had a three point loss to Philly, right? They've played a lot of good games. Four point loss to Orlando. They've played better than their record all season and in that stretch, right? They actually have a positive net rating despite being sixteen and twenty, right? Top 20 defense, top 13 offense, like they're better than their record, but they still have been struggling and losing games that they should win to the point that it wasn't a players only meeting because Nick Nurse was involved. But, you know, there was some reporting tweets, whatever, about they had a really, you know, they had a big team meeting uh, before one of their recent games about what they can do better, how they can be better, things like that. And a typical team meeting. How about that? To the point that it was discussed (laughs) as a team meeting and not just a standard thing. So. That's that I think is the best way to describe the Raptor season is they had to have a team meeting, right? So they're not playing to the standard they expect. They still have good players, though. They're still tough, and they are a disaster matchup on paper for this Pacers team. Project six eight or six nine, as they call it. All these te- all these guys on this Raptors team are tall and long and mobile and just really tricky to 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 deal with. They have my goodness, ten guys who are six eight or six nine. Otto Porter, Precious Achua, Thad Young, Kem Birch, Delano Banton, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Pascal Siakam, Boucher, Scotty Barnes, all in that range, right? The uh, the anti-pacers <laughs> in terms of height at this stage, and that's what makes them a tricky matchup. But what also makes them a tricky matchup, and something that wasn't the case when the Pacers played the Raptors earlier this season, is they have Pascal Siakam, who, look, I get that the Raptors are 16 and 20 have underwhelmed. Pascal Siakam might be all NBA levels of good this year. He's leading the league in minutes per game. And he has done awesome in them. 48% shooting, 26 and a half points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 6.7 assists. The playmaking when I've watched Toronto has been so impressive, like a, a level above what I've seen from him before. And he's also finishing well from both inside and outside the arc. He is the engine that makes their offense go. His really fast spin move is just unguardable. So that is already, you know, the pitch is going to have to figure out Who's the best guy to put on him? Probably Neesmith, but then you're sacrificing who's Nembard go on. He's not going to be able to guard Scotty Barnes. So this one is a tricky matchup for the Pacers. The Pacers did well against them early in the season, though. Now, how the Raptors play is also noteworthy, given that the Pacers have struggled rebounding this season. Even though they did a great job, Turner did a great job being physical with Zubach, they actually lost the rebounding battle against the Clippers in that game. Like it was close enough that it didn't matter. You know, it's not like that influenced anything. The Pacers still took eight more shots than the Clippers, largely thanks to turnovers. But, you know, they did lose the rebounding battle that game, as they have so often, as they go small and all sorts of issues. I wrote about this actually in Forbes Sports if you want to learn more about the Pacers rebounding issues. Um look, the Raptors are a possession game team, and they have to be, right? They are 29th in three-point percentage as a team this year. They're 27th in two-point percentage as a team this year. That's bad. That is very bad. Yet they are 13th in offense. How can that be? That is because they dominate the possession game. First in the NBA in steals per game. They're going to have more possessions than you. And the reason their offensive rating is good, fifth in offensive rebounds, right? So they're going to keep their possessions going. So they get some easy possession. Their, their half-court offense is not good, right? If they, Well, yeah, it's not good. But if they get a steal or if they get a long possession where they can rebound around the basket and then there's chaos or there's an open look right away, they're good. And that is a tricky type of opponent. The Grizzlies were really good at that last year, like the pinnacle of that. And so the Raptors, that is what the Pacers have to be mindful of all game long. They're going to want to crash the glass. 
they're going to want to steal the ball, right? You have to take care. All your possessions matter a great deal against Toronto. Pacers have to take care of the ball, have to guard it with their life and get it with their life when it's available in a 50-50 play. Because if you get out possession by the Raptors, you will lose, right? That is what they're good at. That is one. They're eighth in the league in field goal attempts, despite not being a fast-paced team because they do things like get steals and offensive rebounds. So, yeah, they're 28th in pace, but take top 10 in shots per game. Like That is a very unusual combo, but that's reflective of the way they play. So it's important for the Pacers to take care of the ball. Now, the other thing that's fascinating about the Raptors is they have no shooters, right? That's what they kind of are forced to play this style, especially with Otto Porter out. Like they have one guy on their roster who's in their regular rotation, I guess two, but one of them barely shoots, shooting above 36% from deep. Malachi Flynn on three attempts per game is shooting 42%. Uh, Kem Birch has made half of his, it looks like, a two three-point attempts this season, so I don't think that counts. Uh, yeah, they do not have any good shooters. They have a bunch of guys who can be good shooters, like Gary Trent, OG, and Anobi can shoot, I would say. Pascal can make them. Fred Van Vliet can make them, but they haven't this year. And so that's been a big part of the Raptors' struggles. You still have to guard them. They're good enough. They have the rep to do it. But the fact that they have no shooters, it kind of changes the way you defend them, right? You can sag off a little bit, try to slow down their drives that they try to do so much. They really love to attack the paint, get those paint touches, right? Bjorkren, when he was the Pacers coach, he's now back with Toronto. Paint touches. He said it. It felt like every press conference. It's a big deal to him. And he has a very similar basketball philosophy to Nick Nurse. They love paint touches. They love the way it bends opposing defenses. And they give up a really high effective field goal percentage when they don't turn the ball over, which I think is where the Patriots have to take advantage. Their half-court offense has to be really good, right? Four factors. Something I talked about with the Pacers earlier in the season. The Raptors is fascinating, right? They force opponents into the most turnovers in the league, the highest turnover rate. They're pretty good on the glass, and yet they give up a ton of free throws, and they give up the second-highest effective field goal percentage, right? They let team, Teams can score on this Toronto team when the game is played a certain way. And so I think it's if the Pacers don't shoot well, I don't think they have much of a chance given the Raptors' style in this game. But if the Pacers shoot fine, you know, 36% or better, I think they can be in this game if they they'll follow the generic keys that the Raptors' statistical profile suggests you should. Take care of the ball, right? Guard well when the floor shrinks and, and stop those rim attacks because they're not necessarily the best shooting team because they don't turn it over, right? If you make it hard for them to score, you just have to shoot okay to be able to keep pace with this Toronto team. They have such an interesting roster. I love the idea that they've had. I love being innovative. It hasn't worked in terms of the record, although, again, I think they're much better than their record. Their positive net rating suggests they're better. Their innovative coach suggests they're better. Their talent suggests they're better. And so they're a tough team. I do not think that the fact that they're 16 and 20 means at all that this will be an easy game for the Pacers. So the keys... Again, get those defensive rebounds. Don't let the Raptors have those extra possessions. Take care of the ball. Turnovers have been killer for the Pacers all year. And, of course, stop those drives. Don't let them kick out to open shooters. Make it a weak, make their weakness a weakness in this game. But that's how the Pacers can win to open the year 2023 fascinating game. I actually really enjoy watching Toronto play despite their struggles just because it's unique and different and something fascinating. Same reason I liked watching Memphis last year. And I am really looking forward to to this game and I hope you all are too unfortunately though I'm burying myself here 30 minutes in I will be doing family stuff on Monday a hundredth birthday party in the family plus some other events going on so I will not be able to watch the Raptors game live so Tuesday's show will not be about that game at all we're going to talk about two important roster deadlines coming up for the Pacers this coming Saturday Really soon, the Pacers have to make two decisions, one on James Johnson, one on O'Shea Brissett, and one-on-one interview time. Trevlin Queen, Pacers two-way guard, played in two games on their road trips, going to chat with me for about four minutes. We'll get to hear from him tomorrow. So it's still going to be a really good podcast. I wanted to make it 
as interesting as possible since I'll be delayed talking about the Pacers game. That said, if there's a big injury, a big moment, a big sequence, of course, I'll try to find time to get something posted on that in a timely manner. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. Hope you had a fun and safe New Year's. We're, of course, coming at you every day in 2023 on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube where you can see my face. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow.